0: you're listening to a recording of a live radio show on npr news if you want to listen to us in real time you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 a.m central thanks for listening and enjoy the show Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is NPR News. This hour, the questions that remain, and there are so many, about the special counsel's report. Robert Mueller came to some important conclusions in his 448-page report. You've heard them by now. He did not find evidence that President Trump's campaign conspired with the Russians. He could not find conclusive evidence that Trump obstructed justice, but he also couldn't exonerate the president on that. And he left a number of questions unresolved. So what we've done today, we've invited the political junkie and two legal experts to the show to take your questions and mine about the legal and political implications of what Robert Mueller said. So for you, what are you confused about? What are you curious about? What are you wondering about in What Comes Next? Six five one two two seven six thousand. And you can get those questions in on Twitter at Carrie NPR. What are you confused about? What are you curious about? What are you wondering about when it comes to what happens next? Ken Rudin is with us. He's the political junkie. Hi, Ken. Good talk to you. Hi, Carrie. Nick Ackerman is with us, former federal prosecutor and was a member of the Watergate prosecution team, also a former assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York. And, Nick, welcome back to the show. Really good to have you here this morning. Well, good to be here. And Stephen Vladek is going to join us a bit later. He's a professor of law at the University of Texas School of Law. So, Ken, here's what I've been wondering about as I've watched all this coverage unfold over the weekend. Do, Do you think the revelations in the report... Really changed anyone's mind? If you're somebody who supports President Trump, you see a guy under siege. If you're someone who doesn't like President Trump, you see somebody and you see a report that confirms the dysfunction that you already believed. Has it changed anyone's mind?
1: Oh, if we're talking about the political aspects of the Mueller report, then I agree, then the, the answer is no. I don't think. I think the people who felt that Trump was uh, was railroaded by a a, a witch hunt. I think they, they feel uh, absolved. They, they, they feel that they were exonerated. Uh, they feel they were vindicated by basically what the Mueller, Mueller report was, or at least William Barr's interpretation of it. Democrats still see that, look, look, if you, if, if, let's say I try to commit murder and I don't commit murder, but I attempt murder, uh, the Democrats will say, well, look, you know, he may not have obstructed justice, but everything he did tr- was, was part of the uh, attempted obstruction of justice politically that's how democrats feel and what they're wrestling with right now including a conference call made yeah, exactly. today, is that they they're going to have to decide where to yeah. go forward yes you could you could bring uh, don mcgann to testify yes you can put all the subpoenas right. out you want but do you go the do you go the impeachment route, and I think Democrats are definitely split on that. They don't know which way to go. And again, we're talking about the political argument, not the legal argument. That's right.
0: And we're we're doing both today, especially while you're on the show with us. Nick, I want you to listen to what the president said in the wake of the release and tell us if it is factually true and then what else should be understood about it. Here he is.
1: It was just announced there was no collusion with Russia. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. And it was a complete and total exoneration.
0: Nick, parse that out. What should we understand about what the president's saying?
2: Yeah, let's start first with the no collusion. Uh, What Robert Mueller found was that there was not sufficient evidence to charge conspiracy, not collusion. Conspiracy is is a crime. Collusion is not a crime. Conspiracy is simply two people agreeing to commit a crime. And so what Robert Mueller was saying, that there was not sufficient evidence here. But if you look at the report and you start digging into this, um, one of the violations that he has, was considering here was the dissemination of the emails that were stolen from the Democratic National Committee uh, that could constitute uh, trafficking or receipt of stolen property. This mm-hmm. is an, a footnote on page 176 of his report in mm-hmm in discussing what appears to be Roger Stone and the theft of the emails. And basically what he concluded was he could not use this particular um, criminal statute because it doesn't cover intangible properties such as computer data. So I think what we have here is a situation where um, there is collusion to the extent you, you define it, as it is in the, in the dicture, dictionary, um, as basically kind of working together. Um, but there's no conspiracy. And the reason there's no conspiracy is because our federal criminal law is so antiquated that it doesn't take into account um, what uh, what the, the, the modern uh, world is in terms of use of computer data. Ah, so...
0: So, Nick, if I I might, this is important. You're saying if the laws were modernized to accommodate the way we use computers and the way data is exchanged, this outcome might have been different?
2: Completely. Um, I mean, back in the old days when I was doing the Watergate case was pretty simple. A bunch of burglars went into the Democratic National Committee. They were charged with burglary. Um, Not a problem. They were in there stealing regular paper documents. Uh Um, This particular situation was a burglary that was done by hacking um, from thousands of miles away in Russia by Russian intelligence operatives. And it was the theft of data, not documents. Um, And that our law just hasn't kept a pace with technology. That's, okay. that's the problem. So uh, the, the, the irony here is, in a sense, because collusion really talks is defined as cooperating. Uh, you really do have evidence of
0: collusion, but not conspiracy. Got it. Uh, if, if, and let me go to some calls here, because I think they may cover some of the things that, that we're going to talk about. To Paul in St. Paul. Hey, hey, Paul. Hi. Hi. <laughs> What's your question?
2: Well, uh, okay, the report said that Trump's aides prevented him from doing illegal things. And so I'm expecting that Trump's defenders would say that the aides were doing their job Mm. by preventing the president from Mm -hmm. making bad decisions, and that every president's aides prevent them from making bad decisions or, in some cases, illegal things. So I'm wondering... Is there anything to that argument?
0: This is such a good question for both of our guests. Can you first, on the politics of this, how do you read that?
1: Well, I mean, to me, again, I'm not a legal scholar, although sometimes I try to play one on your show. But the fact <laughs> is, if you look at a president who decided to get rid of the director of the FBI because he was investigating the Russia influence in the election, if he tells his, his, his White House counsel, uh, uh, Don McGahn, to fire Robert Mueller and McGahn, to his credit, said no. He even tells Corey Lewandowski to to get, get Jeff Sessions, then the attorney general, to undermine the investigation, and Lewandowski just passes it off to some to some other person there was no I mean, I mean, to me, if you're looking for the definition of obstruction of justice, it seems to be that. But, and but going back to what but Ken, Nick was
0: yeah, at, no, but the question here for you on the politics of this, isn't that what you surround yourself with good people who are loyal to you are supposed to do protect you in some ways from yourself? And they did that.
1: Oh, so I'm not faulting McGahn. I'm not faulting the people who failed to to act on Trump's uh, perhaps illegal, certainly unethical uh, request. I think McGahn is is one of the unsung heroes of this whole thing. But when you see a president's actions that seems to be doing everything he can, like like Kelly and Conway went on TV yesterday and said, well, the president could have fired uh, Mueller whenever he wanted to. But what she didn't say is that he tried to fire him. He tried to do basically... I know you're going to love this word, but there was a guy named Richard Nixon <laughs> who tried to get Elliot Richardson and then hey, Bill Ruckel's Why house. do you think
0: Nick I'm is on the show? It's our Nixon drinking game, Ken. Did you get that?
1: <laughs> well, It's my last show, so how can I go out without saying, talking about Richard Nixon? And the fact that he got, you know, Archibald, he finally got uh, uh, Robert Bork to, to to do that, do the dirty deed so cl- clearly, it wasn't a lack of trying. You had a president who tried to get rid of these people or tried to impede the investigations, and some of them just didn't act upon it, but that doesn't get uh, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, okay, one D- quick thing about what Nick said earlier. Okay. we were talking about whether you can prove le- legal you know in legal language. what he did was was either grounds for impeachment or illegal, when you have Rudy Giuliani going on TV and saying, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking information from the Russians. I, I, I know. I
0: saw that. Well, it's that kind of is just beyond,
1: beyond.
0: Uh, Nick, I, I want to ask you about, Ken just said, when you have people around you protecting you basically from yourself, that doesn't get Donald Trump off the hook. But legally, it did, didn't it?
2: No, not at all. I don't know where that's coming from. Um, In order to have an obstruction of justice, um, you don't even have to attempt. It can be an endeavor, which the courts have said is less than an attempt. So first of all, you've got all of these acts of obstruction that Mueller lays out um, where Trump has endeavored to obstruct justice by trying to get. The sessions to re- recuse himself and then to fire Mueller, asks other people to fire Mueller. But then you have things that he actually did do to obstruct justice, which was firing Comey, which w- was actually done. He did that himself. Uh, and also, Mueller lays out in his report instances um, where Donald Trump was uh, actually – um going after witnesses, in a sense, and making statements that impacted the jury uh, that was considering the Manafort case. Um, so you've got just about every possible angle of obstruction of justice that it, could be charged it, against except, somebody.
0: Except the Nick. I mean, you read it right in the report. Here's Robert Mueller on how they came to decisions about obstruction. We recognized that a federal criminal accusation against a sitting president would place burdens on the president's capacity to govern – and potentially preempt constitutional processes for addressing presidential misconduct. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that would need to be resolved if we were making a traditional prosecutorial judgment. The president did basically get off on this, didn't he? No, he didn't. He only got off because he's president. (laughs) I mean, that's the only reason he got off. But he's not going to be held accountable for this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, but I,
2: I've convicted defendants for much less than what's laid out in this report on obstruction of justice. I've defended this, uh, clients who've gotten convicted for less than's laid out in this obstruction of justice. It's just they weren't the president of the United States. I mean, what Mueller said wasn't that Trump was innocent of any of these charges. Right, he said right. he simply was not making the decision because what he was doing was was providing the evidence because memories were now fresh, evidence was available, uh, and he was putting together the case. If you go through this analysis and you read the entire report, uh, it is really a very – damning indictment of the president in terms of obstruction, laying out evidence that any normal person would be convicted on in a nanosecond uh, if they weren't president of the United States. The only reason Robert Mueller didn't recommend charges here was because the Department of Justice has a policy against indicting a sitting president. And
0: and yet, Ken, as we've all acknowledged here this morning, that The president is not going to be held criminally to account for that. And so that allows him to go out and say what he said that we played at the beginning of the show. And a lot of Americans are going to believe it, right?
1: Well, the Americans who will believe it would have believed it, you know, again, going back to Donald Trump's 2015 comment that he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and his supporters will stay with him. So no matter what Robert Mueller decided, regardless of William Barr's interpretation of the Mueller report, because remember what Mueller said and what Barr said, I didn't hear the same thing when I heard Barr on Thursday. It sounded like there were some things that Mueller was kind of saying that Barr was ruling out. But the fact is, politically, no things don't change. What does change is that the Democrats now have an option or or a decision to make, whether to go along with the either wait for the twenty twenty election, where we, we, we can vote out a president or reelect a president, depending on what the voters or the electoral college wants, mm-hmm. or they can do it right now start processes. And as Nick says, look, there there are things pointed out in this report that that would would probably convict anybody else. But as you know, impeachment is a political action, not necessarily a legal one, and the Democrats have to decide whether the risk is worth it, knowing that the Senate, of course, would not remove him from office.
0: Which, Which, as you note, is something that's going to be discussed on this conference call that House Democrats are having this morning, yes?
1: Right, they've been, And they've been discussing before, look, Elizabeth Warren right now is the only presidential candidate to call for impeachment. And there are a lot of, a lot of other Democrats who have to weigh, do, do I want to go after Trump and then find him after he gets exonerated by the Senate? Uh, to, he, and he could say, I'm vindicated, I'm vindicated, and it's a big victory. Or does the stain of an impeachment, how many presidents have been impeached? I mean, it was Andrew Johnson and uh, and Bill Clinton. That's it in history. Uh, My friend from 1974 resigned before he can be impeached. (laughs) But the fact is, is that I mean, look, look, you know, for, for Donald Trump to walk around with a badge of honor of impeachment, nothing seems to faze him. Nothing seems to worry him. The fact that he looked at the Mueller report and saw a complete and total exoneration knows where he is. Uh, the question is, where are the people in the United States and where are the Democrats in Congress?
0: Can I have to take a moment here to thank you for your wonderful humor and your delightful appreciation of American politics and history? And our conversations have been something that I've looked forward to for for many years. So thank you for all of that.
1: Carrie, so many people have asked what's next. If you go to krpoliticaljunkie.com k-r political <laughs> that's my website and that's all my right. podcast and and your podcast and a lot of stuff
0: all right my man yep. uh, I'll, we will we'll stay in touch but thank you for all the monday conversations
1: and listen if you need more remembrances of richard nixon call me i
0: always always do <laughs>
1: and uh, call Robag.
0: <laughs> you just heard a recording of a live radio show on npr news To add your voice to discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet us at Carrie NPR. And if you miss us live, you'll find all our shows by subscribing to this podcast. You can send us your questions or comments by emailing talk at npr.org.